Yeah. <laughs> it can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace, at least, and a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans haven't got a ghetto. He told me around here that's a lot of. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show, Community Spread, a show about the spread of social justice in all communities. I'm your host, Kevin Lundell, and we've got theme music. Yeah, that's a, a local black artist by the name of. August the Great, and we're going to post links to his uh, social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, so that you guys can go check out his stuff. We're super uh, grateful to have him and have his art as part of our show. So thanks, August the Great. Really appreciate you. Um, Later on the show, we have a special guest, Jakari Kelly, who is a leader in the Black Lives Matter movement here in northern Utah, and we discuss... Chief Watts' response to the eight can't wait uh, police reform requests. And Chief Watt is the chief of police in Ogden, Utah. And so it's a really important conversation. Hope you stay tuned for that. And at this point in the show, I always like to talk about something I've been learning about or something I've been thinking about. And a while back, I read a book called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And in this book, they had a very interesting segment, uh, chapter that talked about the 2004 European Championships, soccer championships. And uh, the European Championships had this major problem on their hands, and it's been occurring for decades. It happens every four years. And every four years, these English hooligans, as they call them, uh, descend on these cities and cause riots. And they cause all kinds of problems. The, year, the four years previous uh, was, was held in Belgium, and in Belgium, the police had done everything that they could to prepare for these riots. They got the best anti-riot equipment, uh, surveillance cameras, info systems, and the hooligans came, and they smashed shop windows. They beat up bystanders, and the police came out wielding their, their batons and fire hoses and tear gas. And by the end of it, uh, there were more than 1,000 English supporters who were arrested and it was basically a disaster by all accounts. And so port four years later, in 2004, they're holding this event in Portugal, and Portugal is about to get wrecked. And uh, nobody really knows what to do, but somebody with a novel idea comes in, and he's a, a Liverpool University social psychologist by the name of Clifford Scott. And his idea is completely different. Uh, and this is a quote from the book. He says, his idea was that it was impossible to stop crowd violence, that it was possible to stop crowd violence by changing the signals the police were transmitting. In his view, riot gear, armored cars, were cues that activate hooligan behavior in fans who might otherwise behave normally. The key to policing riots was to essentially stop policing riots. Rule number one was to keep all riot gear out of sight. Uh, The police officers uh, in this case wore uh, light blue vests instead of the customary yellow. Um, They did a a lot of different things. They specifically hired uh, people and police officers who felt like they had the gift of gab. Uh, They learned and studied soccer and so that they could chat and and really kind of just come at these protesters with with a whole, the hooligans, with a whole different mentality. And they had an entirely different outcome. Um, in areas that used Stott's approach, only one English fan was arrested. So 
obviously this is very applicable today uh, and very applicable to my conversation with Jakari as we uh, talk about police reform and Chief Watt. And, and you think about Chief Watt's response to, well, if we can't use chokeholds, it just means more people are going to get shot. Perhaps we need somebody like Stott, somebody that can think a little bit outside the box, somebody that can think of policing in a little bit different way uh, when we get a new police chief in Ogden that is hopefully very soon. So without further ado, we have Jakari Kelly. Hey, everybody. It's Kevin here, back on my weekly interview series. Today, I've got with me Jakari Kelly, uh, who's one of the leaders of the local Black Lives Matter chapter. Say hi, Jakari. Hello. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been involved with Black Lives Matter, and how that's been going. I have been involved with Black Lives Matter for three going on four years. I am the leader of an organization Black Lives Matter chapter based out of Ogden. Um, and I love every moment of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I'm sure there are all of those things too uh, when it comes to being involved in that. Um, you know, I know that you guys just recently uh, had an uh, Eight Can't Wait rally uh, downtown. Um, there's also another one coming up. Is that correct? Yes. There's one um, this weekend. Come on this weekend. I think it's July 11th or no, it's the 18th, I think. We should have known this. We'll get we'll circle back to it. <laughs> but uh what I wanted to touch on was you guys had this A can't wait rally um and uh the chief of police uh actually responded uh to these 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 um eight measures that are put out that are supposed to help um, with use of force. And um, in the opening statements, I wanted to get your reaction to this because it kind of blew me away when I, when I heard it. Um, he described uh, this historic moment we're going through, this historic moment of reckoning uh, with police and use of force and violence uh, against people of color. And he described it in this quote unquote press release as a couple of recent tragic anomalies uh, that resulted in uh, extensive emotional responses and knee-jerk reactions. What was your response or, or what was your feeling uh, have, when you read that or heard that? So since I was in the meeting, when I first heard those words coming out, came out of his mouth, um, and when I seen it in his press release, I was sickened. It's disgusting that the chief of police in a large urban city would say anything like that, especially if he took history. Let's just start at the beginning. Black Lives Matter is a newer movement, but the civil rights movement is not. So it's really sick and disturbing how he would say and dis diminish um, the Black Lives Matter movement and all the civil rights movement. And History, let's be real. Um, by that statement, it's disgusting, it's disturbing. Maybe he's senile, maybe it's time for him to retire. Um, who knows, but he should not be a police chief with that, with that uh, train of thought. Yeah, I mean, he goes on to, have, to list out these eight points about, and, and kind of goes by them through them one by one. We're not going to get into each of those today, but it hardly right. seems like a 
uh, a way to come to the table and say, uh, here we are uh, in this historic moment and we wanna discuss what you guys have been fighting for, what you guys have rallied for, and to, like you said, diminish uh, this to a couple of uh, recent tragic anomalies uh, just did not seem like somebody that was really interested in a, in a true thoughtful discussion. Exactly. To call human beings anomalies um, is a red flag right there. So that means he has, he doesn't understand what Black Lives Matter means and what we're fighting for. And people who support him obviously don't know or understand that. Right. Now, human beings. That's right. That's right. Um, now, uh, in that same paragraph, in that opening paragraph, he said, we have had meetings with local Black Lives Matter, NAACP, and ACLU, and other groups, and their key leaders. These interactions and discussions have been productive for us. Now, you were in the room where that happened, right? So tell me, yes. tell me how productive that meeting was. It wasn't productive at all. Because when we were even talking about the first topic, eight can't wait, banning chokeholds, neck restraints, he almost refer refused to even acknowledge it. So what that meeting was set up for was for this community coalition to bring eight can't wait to the table. Um, we had slides and statistics. It wasn't supposed to be a a meeting per se respond right then and there but he had a whole big slideshow he put on a show for us and tried to take over the conversation so for me again that's another red flag he's not willing to work with us from the get-go if he's already coming to the table with the slideshow that's that's interesting so this the, the idea of this meeting was um that you were going to come and and discuss discuss and present to him a can't wait and what it meant and he came prepared with his own statistics um seems to me like somebody who uh wanted to do uh more talking and, and less listening which is exactly what the opposite of um what i've been trying to do and other white folks uh around this moment uh where it's 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 about listening and learning and uh and then for him i mean he's got to make policy decisions and that but then after listening and learning um deciding what's what he thinks is best for our community uh so it it wasn't quite that that way huh not not at all um to the point where i i blatantly stopped the meeting because he kept talking about himself and kept giving his statistics about fallen officers not even recognizing all the people of color or people in general that have been killed by police and police officers not getting punished for their actions. So he's not even hearing that. He's all, well, I've had 154 officers be assaulted. Hello, I have 400 years of ancestors that have been murdered, killed, and raped. So if you're not aware and trying to listen, then, or acknowledge the past, we can't get through the present and we sure can't get to the future. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, 
if if he's not willing to to listen, it doesn't sound like those meetings. Uh, I don't, we can't. Was that were all of those groups in the same? So was the NAACP, Black Lives Matter, and ACLU? Was that one meeting or were those separate meetings? They were all in the one Zoom. It was a Zoom meeting. They were all in that one Zoom meeting. So you can speak to the to the whole of the meetings. Um, and so it doesn't sound like any of those voices in, in any of those groups really got heard the way they probably wanted to. No, not at all. He was taking over the conversation. Um, we had a group chat going at the same time, and that was our biggest complaint. Like, he's not trying to listen to us. He's taking over our conversation. And that's not how you should go if you're trying to work with the community, right? You're there to listen when the community comes to a police chief and a mayor. Let's not forget the mayor was also in on this call. Um, when two public officials are supposed to be listening to the community and don't acknowledge us or what we're saying at all, that that's not a public servant in my eyes. Now, if I understand right, tell me there was there was something said in the meeting, and he also actually says it right here in print, but. Um, when he talks about uh, the, the banning of chokeholds, uh, he said specific, he specifically refers to this other maneuver that's not a chokehold, um, uh, but a, an artery press uh, of, of sorts. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, I saw, I saw it for good reason. Um, when he talked about, when he talked about specifically banning those, what were his, he said, what were his words when he talked about, if we ban those, what will have to happen? He said, well, if we ban chokeholds or, or neck restraints, then we're just going to have to shoot more suspects. Straight up. Straight, I mean, straight up said. That, uh, that was the actual part of the meeting where we were like, what? Excuse me? Yeah, uh, and, and we he, were all in. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's, he, he, they ultimately say that as much uh, in this, in this report um, that, that they, they believe that, hey, well, I mean, if we don't have that tool, we're just going to use our guns more, um, which is not, not the historic. Not our tasers more, not beanbags more. We're just going to shoot them up because we're in the Wild West. Right. You know. Historically, so, I mean, there are other, um, there are other cities, other large cities who have implemented uh, chokehold bans. Um, and what has their response been rather than just shooting more people? Um, they have learned more moves. They like, like, and we even had, if the, you look on acantwait.org, it will show you the percentage going down in those cities of what happens when they implement these things. So if, huge cities i mean urban cities where there's way more crime than ogden utah right and all these things are working for them but chief watts thinks he's too good to even and half these things honestly and eight can't wait should already be in their policy right so if you look up the it can't wait.org you'll see like i said the statistics going down but obviously he thinks he's too good for just those minor type of and they're not minor banning chokeholds is a very serious thing because not every police officer is going to remember their training yeah i mean absolutely and and so 
Yeah, it's not like we're trying to pilot this program in Ogden, right? I mean, uh, these are things that have been implemented in other cities. There's statistics behind these that uh, have been have been proven to work. Um, so I'm sure that was just beyond frustrating. Um, as a person that has worked with uh, Black Lives Matter for three going on four years now, um, why don't you tell me, uh, you know, as someone that's worked with Black Lives Matter over these over these last few years, what is like one myth you would say that people have about Black Lives Matter that we could dispel here today? Black Lives Matter is the Black KKK. First of all, let's get some facts straight. The KKK was a hate group. It was a white supremacist group that would terrorize people of color that by hanging them, um torturing them and when i say them men women and children let's let's put some some faces to this there's men women and children and men women and children were getting raped because they hated the color of their skin men women and children were getting lynched because of the color of their skin men women and children were getting accused of crimes they did not commit because of the color of their skin so Black Lives Matter has done none of the above. What we do is take everyone in marginalized communities, put them on the same platform so everybody's voices can be heard. That goes with people from disabilities, the LGBTQ um, community. Um, it goes to Hispanic communities, Asian communities, whatever we can do to support the next human being is what Black Lives Matter is about. And that's something that people don't feel like, you can Google that and find that out, right? Um, you can look at credible sources and find that out. You can turn on Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, and Cartoon Network and find all this information out right now. But there's some people that are just hard set on putting people against each other. And that's not what we're trying to do in Black Lives Matter. We want police reform. Hi, police come in every shade also. Um, a pol the police is a, it's a career, it's a job. It's something that you can stop after your 40 hours a week. Me being black does not stop at all. I'm 24 seven, seven days a week, along with everyone in my family. And that's what people need to realize. They need to put faces to these movements. People are fighting for their children, their mothers, their fathers, their uncles, their aunts, and their grandparents. But instead, they want to be so hard pressed on, oh, Black Lives Matter hates the police. No, we don't hate the police. I have police officers who are also family members, right? We want police reform. We want the police to protect and serve all communities, no matter what. And that's what we want in Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I, I mean, that's why, that's kind of what we're doing here today is, and I really appreciate you coming on with me because you said it best. Um, it's about putting a face uh, with this movement and with, and with Black Lives Matter. And so I really appreciate you coming on, on with me. Um, so uh, tell me what else has, has, what else have you guys been doing? I know, um, you know, I think people have this image of Black Lives Matter that that's just a, uh, a group of people shouting and, marching and what uh, what what sort of things have you uh, has the group done on a day-to-day -day basis and uh to, to help folks help people of color help marginalized communities 
Right. So there's this myth about black on black crime, right? Where they say, oh, black on black crime, like why should we care if you don't care? Blah, blah, blah. Hello, there is crime with every single race and culture against each other. Let's not talk about Carol Baskin. Remember her? She killed her husband. She stabbed him, right? For insurance money. So don't sit there and talk to me about black on black crime when you got the Tiger King killing killing somebody over some money. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real here. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, people uh, commit crimes against the people that they live with, right? And unfortunately, a lot of our communities are still segregated. And so that means white on white crime, that means black on black crime, because we commit crimes against the people um, that we live with. So, you know, that's really, that's, that's reality. Right. And as Black Lives Matter, what I do on a day-to-day basis is make avenues for people to educate themselves in the Black community, give them a platform to speak their truths, um, and educate people, right? Right now, we have a Black kids play group. Why? Because representation matters. So, and it's not only Black kids that go to this group. There's um, Hispanic kids that come to our group. And the word Black is what's scary. But for me, when I talk to people about Black Lives Matter, is when you put every single color together, what color does it turn? Black. So when I have a play date for kids to have a safe space because they're being teased and taunted and bullied and tortured at school because of their color of the skin, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. I have a son myself. So my son has no problem with his self-esteem. Why? Because he sees representation every day. He sees Black educated people. He sees Black educated people that have went to prison, but they've redeemed themselves. So once you do your time, that's it's not for me to judge you. I'm not your judge, jury, or executioner. So Black Black Lives Matter is doing things internally in the Black community that we don't have to showcase. I like to showcase it to see so everybody else can see it, like when I did my Black Fathers Matter um, photo shoot, because not every Black father does not take care of their child. There's just as many white men out there that don't pay child support as any other culture, any other group around the world. So in order to break stereotypes and stigmas about the black community, I, I lift them up and try to show people, hey, this isn't this goes on in every single household, but by the way, these are all the fathers I know with their children and they take care of them. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Sometimes you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, but that's not gonna stop me from doing what I wanna do every day to help my community. You know, and you're doing a great job of it. And uh, what an awesome time. I mean, and also incredibly difficult time, right? Because you, you know, for the last three years, you've worked and worked and worked. And, and now um, there is a lot of attention and a lot of uh, movement in a positive direction. Uh, people that are saying Black Lives Matter for the first time. Uh, but at the same time, it's brought the attention has been brought up because of tragedies and because of, uh, you know, we are now getting to see uh, because of cameras, uh, everybody's got a phone in their pocket, camera in their pocket, body cameras. We're now getting to see what the black community has always told us is true. 
And there's what has always said has happened to them, which is that they are being, uh, having excessive use of force and being brutalized by the police on a daily basis. And now we're getting to see it. And so there's something happening. There's this movement happening. And so, yeah, you've, you, you did the hard work, you know, years ago uh, when, it wasn't, when it wasn't popular. And so it's starting to come to fruition for you. But the reason about it has got to be really difficult. What are your emotions about that? Um, it's almost, almost like a sigh of relief, like this much, because now we have that platform to say what we've been saying this whole time, to say what our grandparents have said, to say what their parents, their parents have said. So, um, it's really heartbreaking that this, it had to go this far for the world to see, hey, We've been suffering. We're demonized every day in our everyday lives. And it's finally good to see people actually taking accountability and being punished like they should have been from the get-go. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, uh, you've said about how, you know, every day um, you deal with um, racism. And uh, you, you grew up in Utah, right? Yes, I did. You grew up in Ogden? In Roy, the Roy Ogden area, yes. Roy Ogden area. I grew up here in the Ogden area too. Now I live in, uh, in, in downtown Ogden here. Um, and so tell me uh, what, that, what your experience was like. Uh, do you have experiences? Have you had experiences uh, with racism growing up here in Utah uh, that you could help uh, us understand? Of course I dealt with racism. I deal with it literally every day. If it's not a side eye or someone trying to argue with me about my Black Lives Matter shirt, or even being at work and trying to explain to people, hi, you're being racist. You can't sit there and like have all these policies in the workplace or a corporation and they're, they're not important when it comes to me that's not right. That um, puts my life in danger. And people don't realize that they can't put the connection together. Um, I remember when I first dealt with real racism, I was in junior high. I went to Sandridge Junior High in Roy. And one of my friends, we were best friends. It was crazy. Uh, she was absent for a couple of days. And like, people kept asking me like, oh, where's she at? Where's she at? I'm like, holy crap, I don't know where she's at. Like, we didn't text back then. <laughs> like, we barely had AOL, you know what I mean? And not everybody had the internet at that time. And so a whole bunch of people went back to her and were like, oh, Jakari was talking crap about you. And instead of her just confronting me, she called me a, a nigger. To the point where I was like, wait, what? Like, I've never been called that to my face. And I go... Uh, what did you just say? And she like stood up and I stood up and she said it to my face. Like she was this close to my face and said, you're nothing but a nigger. So then I proceeded, like my human reaction is defense and she got her ass whooped. So that's when, that's when black people are demonized again. Oh, you shouldn't have put her hands on her. Like, no, like you don't understand what that word means. Like she was literally trying to hurt my soul at that time. 
that is the ultimate assault to black people so when we physically get defensive about it people want to punish us to the highest extent of the law is that right no should i put my hands on her probably not but i bet she learned a great lesson that day and i bet those words never out of her mouth at least in front of another black person right hopefully uh she did learn that that lesson um yeah uh now you you work as a, a as a medical assistant or have worked in the in the medical community in in the mm-hmm. past right um you know we know uh right now specifically dealing with covid that covid and, and we know this now we're getting more and more statistics about this now uh it doesn't matter where covid is it is affecting uh black and brown communities uh more uh than the white counterparts um tell me about you know when you are uh, when you're seeing folks cavalierly you know going without masks and going partying or whatever how does that make you feel knowing that it affects your community um more than uh more than my community it's sickening like when i go to walmart i just like look at all the people walking around without masks and i'm like you literally have no regard for any other human life because there's covid which is where some people are getting sick right they show physical symptoms nobody really knows about covid right now some people just get a headache some people get flu-like symptoms some people get no symptoms right so you don't know if you're a carrier of not of covid and newborn babies can't wear masks a lot of little children can't wear masks and sometimes parents don't have any other option but to take their kids to a store and to see people that really don't care about other human beings not wear a mask and just walk around like nothing's happening and like coughing and sneezing that's like the ultimate disrespect and the black and brown communities like my mom has diabetes so she has to worry about that and her job she works at job corps for me her job does not care about her life because they had a training class, this man said in front of everybody, including um, HR that, oh, I've been, in, I've been in contact with somebody that came back positive for COVID. He wasn't quarantined or sent home. He was told by his job, oh, it's okay, it's fine. And he stayed in the class for the rest of the day. If you follow CDC guidelines, which anybody can look these up online, He's immediately supposed to leave the premises, immediately supposed to go get a COVID test and quarantine until he gets those results. But for someone to put my mom's life on the line like that, cause it's not just her life. She comes home to me and my child. That That's just the biggest thing ever. Yeah, and you know, I just think I, I wanna, you know, even the point to bring that up is, you know, when people are taking these stands against masks and, uh, you know, opening bars and 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 whatever else those uh those positions are literally racist because these communities are are just getting are getting hit like 10 times that amount of the fellow white communities uh and it has to do with um the places you know where 
where the communities that black, that black and brown people live in that tend to be close together, that they work in different professions. But, you know, so it's, it's literally a, ra a racist policy. Um, and, and so, you know, tell me um, just a little bit more. Uh, do you have any other experiences, whether it be uh, work, um, anything else that you wanted people to know about uh, being a black person in Utah, a mostly white community? I think the biggest part of being black that is literally like like one percent in the state of Utah, right? I think it's fifteen percent Hispanic, and everybody else is white. Like there's Native Americans, Hispanics, white people, Asians. We still only make up like what thirty-five percent, forty-five percent of the population. So, with the white people not educating themselves on how they can be racist without even knowing. Um, it's disturbing because it's funny because I was at work and I had this supervisor that kept harassing me about something. She was not my supervisor. I told her to go talk to my supervisor as I'm walking out the door to go do an interview. And she kept like talking to me when I'm walking down the hall. So I went back up to her. I, it wasn't in her face. It was like six foot rule. And I had my mask on and I go, I need you to go and talk to my supervisor. Leave me alone and quit harassing me. She called immediately up to the doctor I was working for. And this is this week and said, Jakari got in my face. She carrying me. Literally, she and my doctor texts me when I'm doing this interview and says, oh, don't come back to work. Don't come to work tomorrow. Hi, you don't even realize you're being racist, racist yourself by perpetuate, or I can't even say it, by keeping up with what she's doing. Like you, you're not even investigating. You didn't even ask what my side of this story was. You just blatantly kicked me out of, out of work. Granted, I only had one day left because i i can't handle it no more mentally physically it's exhausting like i was having i couldn't breathe at work my back was hurting people don't realize how much of a toll it takes on black people and people of color when they have to deal with people being naively racist every day and for companies not to train their employees correctly on how not to be blatantly racism from social media all the way up to like you're you're in the healthcare field, right? You're supposed to treat everybody equally, and that's what I do every day. I treat everybody the same, and for people not to do the same or reciprocate those actions towards me in my own field, it hurts internally. It it like it does something to your soul to the point where you. If you're either going to kill yourself, so you don't know. Maybe they want you to commit suicide because they're just going to keep torturing you. And that's why suicide's so high in the Black community also. Like, people don't understand all the, this big circle of issues that surround racism and the toll it takes on people of color. Wow. Well, thanks for speaking to that. You know, I, I think that helps. Um, you know, just folks know that this is local. This is a local uh, issue. Um, this is not an issue that's just happening somewhere else. Uh, this is happening yeah. here in our community. 
um, and for getting involved and being in those meetings uh, as painful as they are with the chief of police uh, when he won't listen. Um, I do know supposedly his contract is up in December. Um, uh, we, you know, I think we need to go about putting some pressure um, on the mayor uh, to, uh, you know, when his contract is up, if he wants to renew it to not, I don't know what his plans are, but I know he has had a contract up and, and said he was going to leave before and then renewed it, uh, but not to renew it uh, in light of these, these recent uh, statements uh, that are just not, in, in that not congruent with uh, what is happening currently. Um, so we can do, you know, we can put pressure politically and uh, on, on, on Mayor Caldwell and uh, maybe even come up with some candidates uh, that that may be uh, qualified for that position of chief, but somebody that's also the Black Lives Matter movement, NAACP, and, and other groups uh, would support. Exactly. Like if a police officer or police chief cannot say the words Black Lives Matter, that's a red flag, period. There's Absolutely. A, lot, there's a lot of police chiefs from coast to coast that have said black lives matter. And that's the first, that's the first step that people need to acknowledge that, yes, we need to change. This system is wrong. We need to change it internally. And it would be great if we seen police departments all over the country do this themselves versus us having to protest day after day after day. Don't get it twisted. We will protest until we get what we want but it would be great if you did the job for us right beat us to the punch show us you really care show us that black lives matter and people that are affected by this police department and this systemic racism really matter and you know on that note you know if if somehow this uh ends up getting to uh chief watt uh you know this doesn't have to be a legacy Bye-bye. <laughs> this doesn't have to be his legacy, though. I mean, really, he could, he could listen. He could start changes and hand this off to somebody um, that, that could lead us into, into a newer place. I don't think it's likely, but uh, that would be my message to, to him. Um, one other thing I know of, speaking of this is not right, uh, we currently have over um, 80 uh people at weaver county jail that are uh, infected with uh coronavirus um and there is a uh a rally happening tomorrow it's called uh rally for justice uh let my people go uh it's tomorrow uh which is friday july 10th at 4 30. um i saw i saw your name on here that said you were interested in going um i would like to go but i, I I'm, I'm working at that time. Um, but just another injustice out there. You know, if, if uh, coronavirus is bad enough to, so that Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen, the president's friends, can get out of, can get out of jail, um, we should be trying to figure out how to um, get our, keep, keep our uh, people who are in jail safe uh, here as well. Exactly. It's just, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. Um, I feel like if people are in there for petty crimes, um, they need to be let out. Violent crimes, of course, you're going to have to stay out in there, but they got to they gotta social distance them. They got to put them in quarantine. Um, I live by 
four police officers and two people that work in Weber County Jail. And our kids all play together. Um, I know for a fact they've tested positive. They've told me, or that's a negative, sorry. But that's, you know how quickly that can spread. So Weber County Sheriff really needs to figure something out and quick before, you know, his, all his staff, every single one of his staff are infected. Yeah. Um, well, it was awesome having you on here. Do you have, one of the things we like to do is um, kind of end on a high note. Uh, what, what are you feeling optimistic about or positive about right now? I'm feeling positive because since I quit my job as of yesterday, it was like my last day, um, I did start a consulting business where we will go into your, your business, your corporation, and teach you about diversity and teach you about white fragility and teach you about all the things that you are subconsciously doing that you didn't even know were blatantly racism, racist, right? Um, so that's my high note for the week. Um, if people need to contact me, um, feel free to find me on Facebook. It's Jakari Kelly or Jakari Kelly, the activist. Um, and then, you know, you can always follow our website. It's um, Northern Utah Black Lives Matter <clears throat> or Instagram, TikTok. We have it all. <laughs> Awesome. I, yeah, what a high note. Um, and what a, a needed uh, service um, for, for businesses in this area and um, that, that you uh, could provide for them. Uh, I think that's incredible. And um, keep up the awesome work. We are lucky to have you uh, in our community providing this work. And uh, whatever we can do to help um, keep, keep pumping out the the good social media content that we can share around and um, help people to uh, get on board. For sure, for sure. And thank you for doing this. As a white man, it's probably a hard pill to swallow at first unless you're born in an inner city where you're already taught this, right? Um, you're kind of the minority in urban areas. But I appreciate you, Kevin, for reaching out to me and you know extending the olive branch like, hi, I'm a white man. I could have done some things in my past, but I'm trying to educate myself to be a better human being. That's all we want you to do. Be a better human being and stop being racist and hold racist people accountable. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, it, it, uh, it has required me to be a little bit vulnerable to reaching out and doing these. Um, and because it's like, I reached out to Jakari, hey Jakari, uh, you're black. Uh, you want to come talk to me? <laughs> uh, I'm a, just a white dude that doesn't really know much and wants to be educated. Uh, it's been great for me. I've learned a lot. Um, and so if nothing more, I've learned something and hopefully people uh, are still tuning in and, and, and listening. Um, and, uh, but so I just really appreciate you. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. It was great to get to know you. Hopefully we uh, get to do more things in the future. Of course we will. Of course we will. <laughs> thanks so much, Jakari. We'll see ya. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And that's a wrap for our show today. Uh, again, another special thanks to August the Great for uh, our theme music. We're going to play his whole song in, in its entirety here on the way out. Uh, go like his stuff on Instagram and on Facebook. We really appreciate him uh, letting us use his song here on our show. 
Um, so stay tuned next week for some more good, uh, good stuff. And go like us and smash that subscribe button on iTunes, rate us, uh, share it with your friends. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace, at least, and a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans haven't got a ghetto. He told me around here, that's a lot of federal. I troll in the block, I swear it's hard, not the metal. Or that was just a peek at what the next man doing. The situation we're born, it just messed stand ruined. And you can find a liquor store or a pawn shop. They are thick with the alcohol, they be drinking nonstop. I swear, I, I hear the sell gats a clip for real. Don't let me get in these facts, I dip. The government supplying the people crack for chip. Brainwashing the folks, every single cat's asleep. Though that Jim Crow side effect trapped in a mind state And it seemed like we had a peak of the crime rate My brothers, yo, listen, our sisters go missing And we down on the daily, some kill for the dime's sake I'd rather tell the truth while kicking this rhyme straight Half the people illiterate, can't read or write Try to enlighten them, they tell you we don't need your life See how early we leave college, straight up to the gig We don't get to graduate, we get trade up to the league With no second plan, hoping we got it made into a gig we need more doctors and lawyers, politicians and that If you feel this in your heart, then I'm probably kicking the fat touche And they talk to empower and shout here Everybody's dead broke and impoverished, I swear I leave the everyday life based on mad wishes The only jobs they have was provided by bad bitches They'd rather get some brain and law that broad knowledge Can't pay back selling me and we can't afford college Around here the stick is always high so they ban Screaming fuck the law, they'd rather leave and die for their gangs They got nothing to lose but they sick with hate Mad of the world, we got a bone to peak with fate It's a white privilege for the kids to the slave master We were left for dead design to hit the great faster It's a setup, and we ain't meant to survive Look how far we don't came, we made it to this land to surprise Though the prophecy says we all been to a bride Spread the word, let it be known the heavens had to survive Right here, live in the flesh That's real Americans said we gotta get up Volume 1